This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew, on this episode, discussing a vast renewable energy plan for Rhode Island with Nate Carpenter and Will Gregerson of the Rhode Island Progressive Democrats of America. And hope everyone's having an outstanding day as we enter here into the thick of the sweet spot of the summer here in the Ocean State. This episode is actually one of the last episodes, if not the last episode, that was taped here at the Loft in person before the COVID-19 pandemic struck Rhode Island, really shifting the direction of the podcast from a content perspective and, of course, from the manner in which interviews were conducted. We shifted to a remote format and have been there ever since. So you'll notice that I'm in studio here at the Loft with Nate Carpenter and Will Gregerson of the Rhode Island Progressive Democrats of America for this conversation on a renewable energy plan that they've developed, which frankly, on the surface, and even when you start to break down the details, is vastly appealing to pretty much anyone who is looking for, number one, a climate change solution, an environmental solution from a jobs creation standpoint, and from really just an identity perspective for Rhode Island, harnessing our strengths and converting them into models that the rest of the country and the world can use to get to a point where zero carbon emissions is a reality. So, Buckle up for a fun conversation going back, I think, all the way to the end of February or March when we taped this, finally seeing the light of day here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. And by the way, a great way that you can support the pod is to rate the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and to share an episode on social media. All right, let's get right to it. How can Rhode Island get to zero carbon emissions as Governor Raimondo called for in her State of the State address earlier this year by 2030? Is it realistic? How can we get there? These gentlemen have a plan, and we're going to hear it right now here on B-Town. All right, gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves now for the official introduction here. Uh, Thanks so much for having us, Bill. So my name is Nate Carpenter, and I'm the state coordinator for the Rhode Island Progressive Democrats of America. And I'm Will Gregerson, the environmental coordinator for the Rhode Island Progressive Democrats of America. All right, let's get right into essentially your new energy concepts and where that's going, sort of lay out the specifics, and then we'll start, you know, kind of analyzing how it ties into Rhode Island today. Sure, sure. So our campaign uh, focuses on the idea of bringing prosperity back to our state through an investment in renewable energy. Um, But before we get into some of the granular details about it, I think it's, you know, kind of important for us to kind of, uh, you know, lay down our swords. Um, I think that when uh, new legislation or new ideas, uh, you know, come to the forefront, uh, they're thought to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, or there's a message out there that propels, you know, one uh, group of people over another. Uh, whether it be Democrats over Republicans, Republicans over Democrats. And and this idea and this concept that we're running with um, doesn't do that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we're trying to bring uh, prosperity back to our state uh, through an investment in renewable energy uh, and do it in a way that is just uh, has these overwhelmingly positive effects for, for every person that lives here. Let, let's talk about some of the specifics of the system, so to speak, like the wind turbines, whatever it may be. What is, how does that differ from what others have put on the table, I suppose. Uh, Essentially what we need is a new energy system. um, And it would generate energy with uh, solar, onshore vertical wind, um, which I'll say more about in a second, um, all combined with a microgrid, a smart shareable microgrid slash energy storage system. Um, Solar, I think everyone pretty much knows solar. 
Um, I've got it on the roof of my house, and it's all over the state. Uh, onshore vertical wind is an interesting um, sort of technology. Um, it's very new. Um, we're working with a company called B Wind, um, and the uh, the inventor at B Wind, uh, the engineer, um, has a background in aeronautics, and so he is devised a uh, a system for catching wind um, and turning it into energy um, that's incredibly lightweight scalable, versatile. Um, it can grab energy from the wind as low as three miles per hour. Um, and then these, uh, these wind turbines are um, rated to, uh, to catch wind as high as 120 miles per hour. Um, it's a, a really durable system, incredibly lightweight. Uh, you could have one in your backyard. Um, essentially, you would put it on a, on a post and let it spin and give energy to your house. Um, it would be maybe seven feet tall. Um, these things also can be scaled up larger until they're maybe 20 feet tall, making a lot more energy um, and powering, say, a commercial complex. Which, when you compare that to the wind turbines that we're seeing now in the rural sections of Rhode Island or certainly out even on in Block Island Sound are enormous Goliath like um, you know some people say monstrosities you know so to speak yeah and these are silent um, and they do absolutely no harm uh, to flying wildlife oh. Um, That's massive. The microgrid then is is another interesting aspect um, of the project because it has um, a couple of benefits. Um, by being a microgrid, um, it makes uh, it increases the efficiency of the energy transportation by about 30%. Mm. Um, the, the centralized grid that we have right now, where energy is produced as far away as, say, Pennsylvania um, or New York State, when it travels through those huge uh, high-tension lines that go you know, across states, a lot of energy is lost um, in heat. Uh, but by keeping it small and localized, uh, these microgrids retain all that energy, and it's still useful um, when it's traveling from a wind turbine or from a, a a solar panel to the place where it's being used. They're also, um, they're going to be better for us uh, when the storms hit, mm. when a hurricane hits. Uh, they're more durable um, that way. Again, uh, I think, Nate, you, you uh, believe that uh, there's a line that runs through Cranston um, bringing us energy, and if it's uh, cut, then there's a huge amount of the state that's receiving absolutely no energy whatsoever. Um, but with a microgrid, you don't have that kind of widespread outages. They would be much more localized and much easier to handle. Also, by having storage, uh, energy storage built into the system, um, you can also uh, pull energy from those batteries um, and help power it. So it's it's a much more durable um in uh, inclement weather and, right. and storms. I think to the anecdote, even as we were coming in on, I think it was Houston, where in you know, the result of Hurricane Katrina, there were 10 of these turbines installed before Katrina, 10 stood afterwards. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you could, uh, you know, potentially say that they're hurricane proof, for sure. Um, all right, let's, let's speak to that centralization in Cranston, because besides the infrastructure, infrastructural improvements, I should say, that, that, that your system would... Uh, include from where we are now, um, the concept of localized storage, the battery component, distribution component, and really just the possible possibility of profiting, frankly, if we're going to have a free market system, then uh, the world, you know, there may as well be that opportunity for the state. So this centralized grid offers Rhode Island a lot of advantages. 
Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I, I think that we 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 again kind of live in you know very very divisive times. But believe it or not, in the year 2020, there are still many things that both Republicans, Independents, Democrats can all kind of come together and say we, we're looking for these things. Uh, you know, jobs, a stronger local economy, uh, clean air. Um, you know, being self-sufficient from an energy standpoint, and uh, you know, potentially getting new funding for the you know to fill the holes that we see in in our our state budget and in the budgets of our municipalities. Um, uh, you know, when you look down at Allen's Avenue, it's the highest asthmatic level in all of New England, uh, ninth highest in the country. And, and this is, you know, terrible to think that someone has to has to grow up there and, and has these health concerns, you know, for the rest of their life. Yeah, it's a disgrace. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's it's awful, you know, to, to, to think that. Um, and, and we're, you know, really eliminating a lot of, of waste with this, too. So every year we spend $3 billion, and, and all of that goes directly out of state to pay for the energy that we need. Um, um, simply recapturing that three billion dollars, and and even just you know scraping the, the taxes off the top of that would you know be in, incredibly uh, beneficial to the state. Uh, now, if we could you know recapture that money through uh, a public agency, you know uh, where where we're taking the the excess money and and the the potential uh, money that we even get off of. Uh, Exporting, you know, energy to surrounding states, we could we could use it to look at uh, again filling so many different holes in our state. Whether you look at, you know, our schools that are our, you know, province schools are being taken over by the state because they're in such poor condition. We have we have pension woes. We have budget shortfalls. Uh, I saw that the um, bridges, according to one national study, are the third worst in the country right now. Mm. Uh, you know, we have a healthcare system that doesn't work for everyone. So instead of uh, you know making arguments and, and fighting against things that you know we think shouldn't be cut, we can start to have the discussion about where this money can go and what we can help fund, uh, you know, to, to help this fl- uh, state flourish. Right. The idea isn't that the Speaker of the House is swimming in, like Scrooge McDuck swimming in you know, <laughs> gold coins as right. a result of this. Right. right. It's to pump yeah. the, the state up, benefit the taxpayers. That's the, yeah. the whole thought. Right. It's, it's owned by the state. We, the people, are the owners of our state. It becomes our system. We yeah. own it. We own the profits. We decide what we want to do with it. Um, perhaps we give ourselves dividends, mm. um, which would be an excellent way, I think, to uh, to help individuals um, and families in our state if they were receiving a dividend. Um, they, those have been around for over 35 years, actually, in, in Alaska. It was implemented by a Republican governor. Uh, and in 2015, um, Every citizen was given two thousand dollars back. So a family of four was actually given eight grand. Uh, you know, and you know we know from from basic studies that you know people making sixty, seventy thousand dollars or less uh, spend that money, and it goes it all goes right back out in our economy. Um, you know, I can't think of a better way to attack something like wealth income inequality than than a public agency and, and recapturing this money and, and giving it back in in the form of dividends. I think that's, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more with that. So let's talk about communicating this idea statewide. I mean, it's one of those things that it seems to me there's obviously going to be institutions that have their own financial advantages that, that would oppose this, you know, and some of them have a bully pulpit or an audience or whatever it may be at this point. But how do you reach average or have you been able to reach average people and sort of present this idea and say, hey, look, let's get let's get this going? We've been talking to uh, a wide variety of folks. I mean, we've been talking to elected officials. We've been talking to legislators. We've been talking to our friends and neighbors, um, you know, the people who who, uh, work with the progressive Democrats. Um, It's interesting. We haven't 
run into anyone who's objected to the idea yet. Hmm. Um, no one has presented themselves as, as being opposed um, to this idea. I'm not sure why anyone would be. I mean, we're talking about doing something profoundly good for our state. Every single person in our state will benefit. Um, yeah, it just seems like a no-brainer that uh, everyone's going to be behind this. Um, there are hurdles. Um, there's legislation that will have to change. There's entities that exist that control the, the current system that also will need to change. Um, but uh, at the moment, um, we're just moving ahead with uh, a lot of well-wishers behind us and a little bit of wind in our sails. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Be town listeners. Here's an opportunity for you to have even more content from Rhode Island's podcast of record, the Bartholomew Town Podcast, ripodcast.com. It's by becoming a B Town Insider. Now, to do this, you head over to the Patreon page for Bartholomew Town. That's patreon.com slash Bartholomew Town and select the B Town Insider option. You'll be rewarded with exclusive monthly content, including a podcast episode and beyond. So, there's also an opportunity for you to support the podcast in different ways. Patreon.com slash Bartholomew Town. Help grow Rhode Island's leading media, news, politics, and culture podcast. Patreon.com slash Bartholomew Town. What would it look like sort of day one? You get the legislative really zoning questions resolved, but there's probably some home rule questions and you know what's going. how would these be installed in Richmond versus Middletown or something like that? Let's say everything's sort of solved for the moment and it's time to implement. What does day one look like and how far out would you be from getting to a point where, you know, again, hypothetically, we're not going to get out the Google calendar. I'm not going to make a note here, but you know what I mean? It's like (laughs) real. Is this like how long would this take to build if excluding getting through the legislative hurdles and the regulatory hurdles? So our hope is that we can complete it within the next 10 years. Uh, it's important, you know, and, and something that we haven't really touched on is is the intergovernmental panel on climate change and, mm-hmm. and the reduction in, in carbon emissions that we need to see by 2030 in order to mitigate um, global warming to 1.5 degrees. And um, it's, it's more than a hope. It's actually our aim. Right, that is yeah. our goal. Yeah. We're, we're really firm with this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, 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 there, like Will said, there's a, a ton of hurdles and things that we have to accomplish between now and then. Um, I don't know, Will, do you want to take this one as far as what you see as day one of this, <laughs> this project? <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing make some right coffee, <laughs> get, put on a jumpsuit, and start putting turbines in the ground. You know, but what you know, not not even necessarily day one. That's a little unfair. But just like yeah. how long would it take, and what is who gets involved? What kind of labor gets involved on? Uh, so the there's gate? there's a lot to get this going. Um, once we complete by August, um, is our, our, uh, our end date, we're going to have a blueprint, um, for the state. What that blueprint will do, will go municipality by municipality and describe, um, exactly how much energy they can produce, what, how many solar panels, how many wind turbines, where they would be placed, um, that sort of thing, the capacity of the state to produce energy. There's another step after that, which is actually designing the systems. Um, So that would be another step. Um, Once we're ready to go, there's going to have to be a lot of training. Um, There's going to be a lot of new jobs, um, a lot of hiring, um, a lot of training to uh, do the work, um, which also... uh, 
is going to be a lovely sort of thing um, because these are jobs that don't exist in the state. We don't make any energy. So if we start becoming an energy producer, um, that's just a, a huge number of jobs that currently don't exist. Um, but it's also a, a lot of jobs. If you compare the number of people who work on uh, renewable energy, clean energy, um, as opposed to people who work in the fossil fuel um, industry, uh, you have about twice as many people um, who are maintaining renewable energy systems. Um, so that's a huge increase. And they're all living wage jobs as well, which will be a, another big jump. Yeah. Um, I assume that everything would go concurrently. Um, that all 39 municipalities, you would have your trained workforce, you would have all of your technology coming in, and you would begin your uh, your large construction and installation process. It's like a much more g- glorious and something you might be much more proud of in a sense, but it's like when Foxwoods opens up or whatever. Or, you, know, right. you think back to job fairs and just that, like, I'm getting in there. I don't care if what my gig is, but there's an opportunity. I feel like there would be this massive you know, let's do it sort of mentality instantly here. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so maybe day one is everyone in the state is ready for this project yeah. and to take their part and learning their roles and getting ready to go. I drive through, uh, the ten six exchange right sure. now. I imagine it's going to be something like that too, that you're going to be living your life and this is going to be going on around you. Yeah. And it's not going to be d- done this year. It's not going to be done next year. I think that 10-6 project on the signs, it says it's not going to be done until 23. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, we're talking three years out. Um, and so this is something you would see for a long period of time as this all gets built and put into place. Um, but then there's going to be that beautiful day when it all comes online. Yeah. Um, and everybody's going to be in a better place when we get to that point. And then when we're making our own energy, everyone's going to stay in a better place. Yeah, definitely like a, a vibrant energy, you know, that, that electricity that you can feel sometimes. Um, now, what, what we see with happening that too is is this, you know, hopefully going in as, as a domino effect. Uh, you know, like I said, we, we export $3 billion every year to supply us with the energy that we need. Uh, as soon as we can hand someone uh, a bill instead of a check, you know, people in Connecticut, New York, uh, are hopefully going to start asking themselves, well, you know, what's Rhode Island doing that's so different than from what we're doing? What, uh, you know, what entitles them to a dividend check over, you know, what we're doing? Uh, and hopefully they become curious and, uh, you know, this can make its way... Uh, um, down the East Coast and west towards California. Um, last question, any interaction with the governor at all on this? The governor announced during her State of the State address that the similar time frame, 2030, Rhode Island is going to be renewable energy at least, uh, I think 100% was her goal. And have you had any interaction with her office or her people? It's 100% of existing electricity usage. Um, our plan is is going further, which is what we need. Um, by 2030 is to be uh, giving out no CO2 emissions whatsoever. So um, our plan is also going to include transitioning heating and cooling and transportation to become fully electric. Um, so we're, we're pushing even further um, than that sort of thing. Yeah, we've been working on this this for uh, about a year, and we, we commend you know her for, for taking those initial steps. But ours ours uh, certainly go a, a, a bit further. Bonus question here. People have gotten so tied into, maybe bought into identity politics or whatever. So they hear progressive Democrats, they instantly are going to think, certain block of people are going to think one thing. How would you describe 
your broad message and how this ties into it, I guess, you know, how it differs from other groups in the state that are especially those who are in the media quite often. Yeah, I mean, the, the word progressive is just, you know, about being proactive and, and forward thinking. Um, yeah. You know, if you were to look back, uh, you know, from today, 20 or 30 years ago, and, and wish that you had invested, you know, in your Apples, your Googles, you know, wherever it may be, uh, you know, our thought is in 20 or 30 years, people are going to be saying that they wish they had invested in renewable energy. Uh, and we can get in at the ground level here and, and do this before everyone else does. So, you know, with the, the, there's definitely some a little bit of pushback there. But I think as people hear our plan more and more, just like Will said, uh, we don't get that pushback. You know, as people begin to understand this plan and, and what we're doing and how it's a well-rounded business plan, people just kind of nod their head and say, that that makes sense, you know, and, and, and the identity politics kinds of kind of takes a, a step to the side. And it's important what Nate said at the beginning. I mean, we are. We're any swords that we had up or any swords that our, our group used to have. Um, we've laid them down. We need to work with everyone. We need every single person in the state to want this, to work toward it, to be ready to have it happen so that we can get there and we can all share in the benefits. And it has to be a group effort for all of us to get the benefits um, that await us at the end of this project. Gentlemen. What's the best website for people to check out this plan, by the way? Uh, www.riprogressivedems.com. You can look at our uh, full 36-page blueprint report if you so wish to. There's also a six-page summary and, and a nice story about kind of where we've been uh, and where we're going. Best of luck to you on this. I feel like it's, you know, like you say, people are going to look back and go, ah, yes, you know, there <laughs> it is. That's our hope. The turning point. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Bill. You have thank for, you. For, for having us. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's almost that time of year again. Well, every other year, I should say. Election season is nearly upon us. And you can count on the Bartholomew Town Podcast to bring you the information you need to make an informed decision. I've got a lot of new ideas to roll out for this year and want to hear from you as well. If you have any input on what you'd like to see in election coverage here in Rhode Island in 2020, send me an email, bill at ripodcast.com.